Hello and thanks for downloading or streaming this podcast from Scarborough Borough Council. This is the January edition of In Conversation With, with Andy Carter and Gabrielle Janzio. Every month we chat to the leader of the council, Councillor Steve Siddons, or another member of the Cabinet, to find out more about what we're doing across the borough and an update on activity. So welcome again, Steve. Thank you. This podcast is also your chance to ask questions of our political leaders, so if there's a burning issue or query you have, you can send it to us via email. The address is podcasts at scarborough.gov.uk. You can also visit the podcast page on our website, scarborough.gov.uk forward slash podcasts. So, Steve, an awful lot to talk about today, which seems ironic considering there's now only a few months of our existence left. I think we can't ignore the walrus in the room, Thor, who had a significant impact on us and our activities uh, over New Year. But I think we can, well, we'll leave Thor to the end because there's some other serious things to talk about this month. So let's start with this issue of the levelling up money. We found out in January this month that we had missed out on £20 million from the government's levelling up fund, uh, yet our neighbouring council, Richmondshire, got um, almost the same amount. Uh, you did quite a lot of radio interviews and media um, conversations as a result of that, and I detected that news was not only disappointing, but it's also made you quite angry. Mm, it did, and does. The first first thing I suppose I would say is that we, we put a lot of work in, and when I say we, I mean officers of this council, put a lot of work in, pulling a scheme together that met all the criteria that the government were asking for. And we were given indications by civil servants that we had a very strong case. And it was part of a wider project, which included the Towns Fund. And we've put a lot of that money into the same projects. So it was to, it was essentially to finish those projects off. But the government, uh, in their wisdom, uh, seemed to have used levelling up as a political football once again and um, and giving the money to areas that they consider to be most advantageous to them. The good news from my perspective is uh, maybe the government have written off Scarborough and Whitby as a possible Conservative win at the next election and I would absolutely welcome that. Uh, but the bad news is that we've missed out on £20 million. It, it was made worse in a way because I... I met with uh, Dahina Davison, who was the levelling up minister, uh, on the day that they made the decisions. And she said to me, oh, we've made the decisions today and uh, and the good news will be coming out shortly, uh, which any reasonable person would think, oh, you know, we're, we're in with a pretty good chance here. Uh, but she managed to keep a very straight face when she said that because at the same time she was signing letters off to say you hadn't got the money. So... Um, that that was quite annoying, really. But it won't stop us doing these projects. It will just mean that we have to tweak them differently. So, for example, uh, the Fab Lab, which is really important to us uh, to deliver on high-quality jobs, uh, we will not now be able to demolish the old Comet building and put a new building in its place, a purpose-built building, uh, but we'll have to convert that building to save some money um, so it won't be quite the same building that we would have hoped for but at least we'll be able to still do it and we made those contingency plans because we 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 didn't 
we didn't want to um, count our chickens too early and uh, think we've got all the money and we won't worry if we don't. So we, we did make contingency plans and we'll, we'll hopefully deliver on those in the same way. You made the point in some of your media interviews and your media statement about the money going to Richmondshire, um, which of course is the Prime Minister's constituency. Richmondshire, although very affluent in places, um, Catterick Town Centre, Colburn Estate isn't. Do you think your comments on reflection are fair? I think they are fair. Um, Yes, you're right. Uh, There are parts of Richmondshire, like in any any place, that has... um, that has deprivation and, and lower quality of life. And uh, and I think we should be doing everything we can to improve that. But you've got to remember that a lot of that estate there is funded by the government anyway. It's part of our our um, national security. And, um, you know, I think years and years of not spending money on on that area uh, are, now, are now showing. And um, I think that it doesn't alter the fact that Richmondshire is a wealthy area and uh, and I don't think anybody would not put two and two together and think that there's, there's some skullduggery going on there when the Prime Minister's constituency actually gets a big chunk of money uh, in the same way that some other areas which are, are strong Tory supporters have got big chunks of money as well. Well, that brings us to the wider point here, doesn't it, I guess, because when the announcement was made, a lot of people then poured over the figures, statisticians, um, commentators, looking at the figures, and it emerged that an awful lot of the levelling up money was actually going to places in the south and the southeast. And here's Michael Gove, who's in overall charge of levelling up, uh, answering a question on BBC Radio 4's Today programme, specifically whether the North got less money than the South. Well, that's not quite true. If you look at it in terms of the amount of money allocated per person, um, then it is the case that it's the uh, the northwest, the northeast, Wales, um, which do best of all. Um, London and the southeast together constitute a quarter of the country's population. There are areas of deprivation in London and in the southeast, particularly along the Kent coast, that we do need to invest in. I ask you because. Have we misunderstood when we thought this was about helping communities in the north of England to pull up to the levels that we see in the south? Levelling up is precisely about making sure that those communities that have uh, suffered from lower productivity in the past, that haven't had the economic attention that they should have done, um, are provided with the tools in order to to generate investment and high-value jobs. And that is why investment has been so heavily tilted towards uh, the north of England, uh, the Midlands, uh, and also to parts of Scotland, Wales and Northern mm. Ireland. So, Steve, Michael Gove there was basically saying, no, it's fine, the balance is right, we've still got to spend money in the South. What do you think about it when ministers like Michael Gove come on to defend the position that actually a huge chunk of that cash has gone south of Milton Keynes? Uh, I think that this is less about levelling up and more about propping up a failing government. And uh, and I think the sooner we get a general election and uh, hopefully the situation changes, the better off we'll all be. You mentioned there Dehena Davison's visit to our borough a couple of Thursdays ago. Uh, what was the point of that and, and what did she get up to? Because uh, you spent quite a lot of the visit with her, didn't you? I did, yes. Uh, she came to see the 
the evidence of some of the money that they've already provided to us in the past through the Towns Fund. So we went to the Skills Village, which is out at Eastfield, uh, which is a, a brilliant example of what you can do if you have a, a little bit of funding to 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 improve the situation for young people. Um, I think there's several hundred young people have gone through that Skills Village up to now, and um, and provided them with good quality jobs and um, and skills for life. And not not every young person wants to uh, enter into an academic type of career and the skills village provides provides opportunities for them to to do other things and the latest phase of it is to deliver on the green agenda so we're going to have young people there who are coming out of that that um, that training facility with the skills to be able to deliver on uh, new green um, opportunities for for us as an area and frankly the country as a whole we're recording this in January and normally at this time of the year we would be thinking about budget setting and our plans for the coming financial year but obviously this year is slightly different because at the end of March we, Scarborough Borough Council, will be abolished to be replaced by this new unitary council. Mm-hmm. Um, full council in January um, I, I thought was a little bit muted if that's the right word to describe it but there was, I, I get a sense of frustration from you and cabinet colleagues about some of the projects we're trying to um, progress and get over the line maybe there's a bit of a blockage in the way and some frustration with the new unitary council can you just talk us through that without getting too technical about it it's it's getting section 24 approval which is essentially designed by government to stop local authorities like ours that are that are coming to the end of their life um for frittering money away on uh, on projects that are not going to deliver benefits for the people of the borough um that's absolutely not the case with the projects that we're waiting for. And in fact, they've, they've gone through a very rigorous process to ensure that they will deliver on those promises. Um, the problem is that, um, it, it, it could be several things, I guess, but certainly the new authority has got its work cut out for it at the moment and, uh, and is struggling to, uh, to deliver on all the things at the, at the appropriate time. Um, because of the volume of work that they're having to do. But they do appear to me to be quite risk-averse, and there's nothing wrong with that uh, in, in, a, in a sense, but being risk-averse on everything means you don't do anything, and, uh, and that's my fear with this, is that we have a number of projects that are going to deliver on economic regeneration of this borough which will directly affect the people who live here and the people who are looking for better quality, better paid jobs. And the, the new authority are dithering on those. Uh, they're not saying they don't want to do them, but they're, they're dithering and not making decisions. And my plea to them is that look at the evidence, look at what we've done, look at the projects that we've put together and, uh, and the assessments that have been done on them, which, which have met every criteria that we've been asked to meet by government and and allow us to get on with them in this last few months, allow us to get on and deliver on the promises that we've all made to make people's lives here better. One of the media headlines I saw was that um, the county council in its current position before it becomes the unitary is quote-unquote stripping district and borough councils of, of their spending powers. Does it feel like that as leader? 
we were asked to set aside uh, a sum of money to deliver the things that we've previously set up in, in this authority to carry them through into the new authority in effect. Uh, we also set aside a sum of money which will allow us to do the projects that we're waiting approval for at the moment. And in total, that comes to about £15 million. So we've been very prudent about that. We've, we've set aside all the money that's needed for the things that the new authority are going to have to do. And at the moment, it looks as though the new authority uh, is planning to use that money for other purposes. So we all know that they've got a shortfall in social care funding, we know they've got a shortfall in education funding because the government doesn't hasn't sorted these things out. Um, and to use money which is set aside for economic regeneration would be a very short-term, short-sighted position to be in, in my view, because the best way to deliver on improvement and and bring more money into the into the area is to improve the economic regeneration. And um by simply selling or giving away the family silver, you can only do that once. And what do you do next year and the year after and the year after that? Many of these projects will bring in additional income from, uh, from all kinds of sources, uh, more investment from the private sector, uh, more council tax because there'll be more housing, more businesses and so on. And, and that's the thing that will will change the fortunes of this area. Not by thinking, oh, well, there's a pot of money there that, I, that we've been saving up for a while. Uh, we can use that to make a short-term stopgap. And, um, and I think that they need to think very carefully about that. Now, recently there was a, a lot of uh, chatter about our local gull population, in particular the kitty wakes, who um, up until this year have happily nested on the Spa Bridge. Um, and we now know that those um, nests have actually been cleared from Spa Bridge and cleaned. Would you just like to give us an update, Steve, on um, why that's happened and, and, and who actually um, carried out those measures? Well, it wasn't us for a start. <laughs> it was the, the new authority. I think that for a long time, lots of people have had uh, opposing views about, about the Kittyworks on Spa Bridge. Some people think it's great, other people don't. And we've always taken the view that uh, there's very little you could do about it because they are a protected species. However, the, the Spa Bridge doesn't, belong to the Borough Council, it's part of the responsibility of North Yorkshire Council. And, um, and they've, they took that decision, they've taken advice, uh, they think that what they've done is, is the correct approach and, and that will satisfy those people who, uh, who don't like the gulls being there. Um, but um, obviously there'll be other people who are not happy about that. So we'll see what happens when... Uh, when the gull nesting season comes round again, I suspect that uh, that the gulls uh, are maybe smarter than you think, and we'll uh, we'll find a way around that. And um, but it'll be uh, be interesting to see what happens. Definitely, and I think we have seen that in in many years how they are very adaptable, um, mm. both the kittiwakes and the herring gulls. Um, mm. So we'll see where they they turn up this spring. Yeah, exactly. But it won't be my fault. 
And keeping on the same subject of wildlife, um, and I think this one will probably safe to say divided opinion a lot less than what our um, local gull population does, was a visit of Thor, the walrus, who mm. decided to stop by over New Year um, in the South Bay. And um, I know you were really looking forward to the fireworks at New oh, Year's was, Eve, yes. Steve, but yeah. um, perhaps if we tell our listeners why we decided to, to cancel those fireworks at that time. Well, uh, I, I think actually Thor, Thor stopped by here um, on Chris, on New Year's Eve because he, he'd heard about the fireworks and wanted to come and uh, and watch them along with everybody else. So I, I think he was quite disappointed that... I, I made the decision to cancel them in the end. But we, again, we, we took expert advice uh, from from the authorities who who know and understand about about these particular uh, animals. And um, and I was advised that it could cause serious distress to them. So it it was not really a difficult decision to make, although it was a disappointing one. And, it, and I'm sure it was disappointing for many other people because... I know that when we have fireworks on New Year's Eve, we get huge crowds uh, who come out for them, um, and that's the reason why we do it. And uh, and it, it was disappointing that on what is the last year of Scarborough Borough Council, we weren't able to do that. Um, and clearly, Thor was disappointed as well because he disappeared about tea time on, on New Year's Eve. And uh, when he, once he realised that the fireworks weren't going to be going off, then... He thought, I'll go, I'll go further up north and see if they're setting their fireworks off. He decided to go, didn't he, further up the coast, see if there are any yes, fireworks up yes. there for me. I mean, you mentioned there the crowds that, that do normally turn out for the fireworks. I think it's safe to say, instead, we had massive crowds and said to go down and actually take a look at Thor while he was here and, and yeah. take a few pictures. Oh, yes, and um, I think it's safe to say that it received worldwide media attention. And I don't know, you sort of yeah, conducted I, quite a few interviews, was, didn't you, over uh, the course I, of the, uh, I, the day? I did a lot of radio and interviews uh, for that one as well um it's ironic really isn't it that uh, that you spend four years trying to deliver on economic regeneration for the borough and and the one thing that's more popular than anything is is a walrus turning up for a half a day uh, but that's life isn't it and um i think you know we 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 got a lot of uh, response from all over the place and i personally i got emails from America, one from Washington, D.C., Nova Scotia, uh, Australia. And apparently we were on the Australian TV channels. So uh, it, it's interesting what, um, what the news pick, picks up and decides is a priority. Um, if I'd have made some kind of major announcement about economic regeneration, it probably never appeared anywhere on New Year's Eve. <laughs> It probably says a lot about what captures people's imagination, doesn't yes, it? Yes, it does, and, uh, and, and that's fine, you know, that's, that's life, isn't it? Maybe our legacy should be that we name something after Thor. I wonder if there's something in the borough that could carry the name Thor in kind of in perpetuity. I don't know what that I might like be. that but... idea. We'll have to put that forward to the, uh, the new executive mm, on the yeah, council. Anyway, a quick reminder, you're listening to a podcast from Scarborough Borough Council. It's called In Conversation With, and one of the aims of this podcast each month is to put some questions to the leader of the council, Steve Siddons, who's with us today in the podcast booth. We've got three. Gabrielle, um, you've got the questions, so let's uh, go through them. I have, yes. Off we go. Um, the first question um, this month is from Sophie. Um, does the leader support calls for a rethink on whether Beth Mead should be given some kind of civic honour or award? Well, that decision 
is not made by me um, and certainly not made by me alone. Uh, there is a group of councillors who sit on what we call the governance group and every year uh, they are given nominations of people's names who are put forward and make a decision about whether that should um, whether it should go forward into some kind of formal award. And uh, I think at the moment uh, that is that's been looked at once already, and uh, nothing came out of that uh, specifically. Uh, but uh, I think we've we've agreed at last council meeting to look at that again. So if if members wish to put that name forward uh, for a specific award, then it will be reviewed again by that group of councillors. But I, I don't normally sit as part of that group, so I, I can't comment really any further than that. Second question is from Rachel. It is proposed that councillors on the new council get a basic pay rise of £5,000 because they are going to be busier, quotes unquote. Does Councillor Siddons share my view that this is the wrong decision when many people in North Yorkshire are struggling financially? I, th I think there's it's a more complex issue than that. And um, whilst most people who stand as councillors don't do it for money because you don't get a great deal of money. In fact, you probably spend as much of your allowance on expenses of doing the job. But I think it's only fair that if someone's prepared to do a job like that, then they do get a reasonable recompense. And, and certainly the number of councillors has been significantly reduced. And therefore, those councillors who are still there will have a bigger workload to do. And you've also got to remember that we want to try and encourage as many younger people to become councillors. <clears throat> and it's very difficult to do that if, you, uh, if you're trying to do a job as well, because it's quite time consuming. So I think the, the recompense you get for the job should reflect uh, reasonable payment for the hours that you put in. Uh, otherwise, you're just relying on on people who are retired or, or who have got other financial um, means to support themselves. Uh, and it, it excludes an awful lot of people, and I don't, I don't think that's good. So um, I think it's unfortunate that the way that the, the news was, was published about that particular thing, um, a sort of 50% increase in, in salary, didn't really reflect what it actually means and uh, and as we say there will be a, an overall saving on that budget uh, in in the new authority and as you say pointed out there that you know um very often the full kind of ins and outs of the job as a councillor perhaps not everybody knows that um no i i, I just think that people don't always understand that that um you do spend a, a huge amount of time doing the job and uh, if you, I know that one or two of my colleagues uh, have given up the work that they do in order to be able to be a counsellor. And you can't do that and, uh, and not have some financial recompense for it. Otherwise, no one would be able to do it, really. Yep. 
Certainly. Thank you. And our last question, we move on to um, one that's coming from Paul. What assurances has the leader received that the borough of Scarborough will get its fair share of investment when the county council takes over services from April? Well, that's an easy one to answer. None as far as I'm aware. Um, I've, I've, I've not been given any assurances other than to say that all the... Uh, all the options are available and uh, all the things are still on the table. But that's not really an assurance as far as I'm concerned. So I've got, I've got the same concerns. Steve, before we round things up this month, um, I just wanted to find out whether you had any kind of 2023 resolutions that you've, you've decided, either personally or professionally, and kind of what your thoughts are about this year, given that it's so fundamentally going to change in terms of local government. And I guess us as insiders, we feel it more than maybe someone who receives a service from us, because hopefully, fingers crossed, most people who we provide services to won't even notice this change. But it is a big shake-up and it is, it is a change to way, the way the things have been done. It, it is. And, um, you know, the, the whole purpose of this is to try and streamline services. Uh, but unfortunately, that sometimes gets reflected as reducing services. And I, I hope that doesn't happen. Um, only time will tell. Uh, my my view on this new authority is well publicised. I think it's too big, uh, and I think they will struggle to deliver. I think the intentions there to to make sure services are still still um, kept to a level which is acceptable to everybody, uh, but I think they will struggle to do that because of the size of of the authority and the area. So only time will tell on that score. Um, on a personal level, um, as, as people may know, I'm I'm retiring uh, at the end of March, uh, so there will there will be things I miss. I'll miss the the people that I've worked with. Uh, I've worked with some really good people over the last few years, um, but I'm going to go off and do something different and uh, have a bit more time to myself uh, and be less public. So uh, I'm look, certainly looking forward to that. And what about a resolution? Have you made one this year? No, I haven't. I never make a resolution because it, uh, you, you end up not, not fulfilling it and uh, life gets in the way, doesn't it? Certainly does. Yeah, well, mine's to try and do a bit more exercise. I've actually lost a kilo since Christmas, so I'm well impressed with that. That's yeah, almost practically, practically amazing well, for me. I, I, yeah, I mean, in that sense, yes, I, I am doing a bit more exercise. I'm trying to do a bit more exercise. Thanks, Steve. Before we go, let's quickly look ahead to next month's edition, which will be published towards the end of February. This podcast, as we say, is your chance to put your questions to Steve. So if there is something you'd like to ask, please email podcasts at scarborough.gov.uk. Add in your name, please, and where you live. And we'll put your questions to Steve next month. If you've missed a previous episode, go to scarborough.gov.uk forward slash podcasts, where you can download or stream all our content. And don't forget you can now find this podcast and its sister programme, Boroughcast, on your favourite hosting platform. Make sure you follow or subscribe and you'll get a notification when we upload a new edition. In the meantime, thanks for listening. From Andy. Goodbye. And Steve. Goodbye. And from me, Gabrielle, goodbye. For more news and information about the services we provide, visit scarborough.gov.uk. Thank you.